It's not my text tonight, but I want to read it to you. Psalm 46. And I'll remind you that it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. We talk about Korah a lot lately. God opened the earth and swallowed him whole in his rebellion. But you know what? His sons turned back. How do I know? Here's the psalm. God is our refuge and our strength. I'll wait till they're seated. Nobody hears me when people are moving. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. Listen, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though its waters roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, the mountains fall down and the seas will roar. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. You hear that? He uttered his voice. The earth melted. <laughs> the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Behold, come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. He's power. He don't just have power. He is power. <laughs> Incredible power. <laughs> the old songwriter said it. It's wonder-working power. Yes? Wonder-working power. I'm going to look tonight in Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I think. Somewhere along the way, probably Psalm 42. Keep a prayer list in the inside of my Bible. I wrote a new one tonight prayer room, or added to it, I should say. I, I'm just telling you up front, just so you know, I think if somebody's praying these kind of things for you, you ought to know it. <laughs> Hello, Mag Church. I'll tell you more when we pray, but I'm going to tell you this last one. I'm praying this, not just for me, but for you. It's, a, it's an us Make us desperate for you. Make us desperate for you. Not just aware of him. Not just in need of him. Desperate for him. 
God responds to desperation. I happen to believe that God desires, yes, indeed, that he expects it. Have you ever been there? Can I ask that? Have you ever been desperate? Most of the time, it's a situation that puts us into desperation, is it not? I remember desperation. That's what I'm going to talk to you just a few minutes about. I'm desperate for him. I've said it before recently. I'll say it again. I, I, can't, I can't do. I say, God, if this is it, there's got to be more. I'm not talking about more than salvation, more than, I'm talking about there's got to be more. Church, there has got to be more. And the reason I can say that, because I know there is. I've experienced more. I've seen more. I've been in the middle of more. And church, there's more. And I'm desperate for that. Let the people come from miles around. As you send your spirit down. To revive your church again. Like the rushing of a mighty wind. If anybody will get desperate, he'll meet you. I was deliberate this morning. I'll be deliberate tonight. I've never seen God use anybody to any degree that they didn't cross the line into the realm of radical. I'll say it again. I've never seen God use anybody to any degree that they didn't cross the line into radical. When a Muslim gets radical, they'll, they'll kill thousands of people. When they get radical for a false god, a demon spirit that calls itself Allah, they'll think it an honor to strap bombs on their children. To die for him. They'll fly planes into buildings. When a Christian gets radical, he'll search the highways and the hedges for anybody that'll listen to him. Tell about the goodness of God. When a believer gets radical, they'll push the plate away and they'll pray until the, the, God rends the heavens in their life. Until their children come home. When you get tired, church, you'll get desperate. Why did I tell you I'm praying, make us desperate? Because I think it's only fair for when God begins to move in the, in the believers of this 
of the people that attend this church when God starts working in their life to put them in a, a situation to make them desperate for them, for him, you're not understanding. When, I, when you pray, make us desperate, that is, a, that is a cry of whatever it takes. And I make no apology for being where I'm at because I'm desperate for him. And I'm desperate for this church to be, I see, I can't make you hungry. There's one thing I've learned, I can't make people live for God. I can't make you want to live for God. I can't make you want to, I can't make you want to seek the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can't make anybody get saved. I can't make you take advice. I can't make you read scripture. I can't make you do any of those. All I can do is fill the role of my calling and preach what's true without limit. But he can make you desperate. You know what? It's his pleasure to do it. Because it's worth it. When God's people get desperate, they seek after him. I'll start at Psalm 23, just read, or Psalm 43. I'll just read the first of it. Hear what, it sound, hear what it sounds like. Sorry, 42. Also a contemplation of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, listen, my tears have become my food day and night while they are continually saying to me, Where is your God? Those are not the pen, the words of a casual seeker. Is there such thing as a casual seeker? I have to ask, is there any such thing? I come to the place in my life where I even wonder if there's how much there is to being a casual Christian. I know there are carnal Christians, but how long can that go on? I know it's a miserable position. But I also know there's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Seek me, and you'll find me. He says, when you search for me, when you have time. Seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me, when it'll fit your schedule. Seek me, you'll find me. But not as long as there's plenty of money in the bank. There's a position you can be in Christ that you'll get desperate before there's a crisis. Do y'all feel the stillness in the room? Is that just me or can you feel that?
God wants his people desperate for him just because they want him. They got to have him. They realize who he is. But if it takes, if, but if it takes getting your attention, he knows how. He does. And I can tell you tonight, by whatever means is necessary, when he gets your attention to put you in a desperate situation where you're desperate for him. I can tell you with assurance, you may not enjoy how you got there. But when you get desperate for him, it will be worth it. Because we need him. I need him. This church needs him. You need him. Your family needs him. I'm I'm talking to me just like I am to you tonight, I promise. I pray crazy things like, God, make me aware of my need for you. Do you know you can go for weeks and months, whenever, whenever life's going pretty good, when you have enough to eat, when the, when the air conditioner's running, when all those things are at least going okay, do you know you can go weeks and months without any awareness that you even need him? It ought not be. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. What is? Your word. Living in me. (laughs) You are the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. The breath in your lungs is his presence in you. You want to get desperate for him? Be in a few moments where you can't breathe. You'll become aware of your need. You ever been caught when you didn't think you was going to get to the surface? You ever had, you have any experience with, with asthma or anaphylactic shock or choking? You'll become pretty aware of his presence living in you. And desperation will come pretty quick. One of the greatest moments of my life. I've told you about it before. One of the greatest moments of my life was one of the hardest moments in in the midst of one of the hardest years of my life. One of the greatest moments of my life was when I became aware that I was going to lose everything I had. When it became real to me, the moment that I knew that there was no saving it, that there was no going back, that I was going to lo- that I, I literally, then after the next few days, didn't know if I'd have a house to live in, a car to drive, or how I was going to feed my kids. And in that environment, how many wants to be in that environment? That's not hyperbole. That's not the least bit exaggerated. That is literally how it was. On a a Monday morning when I left my business, I didn't have a dollar to my name. Not a dollar. None. I had no food in the refrigerator because we'd spent everything we had trying to keep it afloat. I had nothing to eat and not a dollar to my name 
The house was still mine. The cars were still mine. I still had my family. That's all. But I didn't know how I was going to pay for the house going forward or the cars that I was driving to get to another job. That was the setting. And in that setting, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life to date took place. I was raised in church, believed in things, everything about the power of Pentecost. I believe in everything God had, always have. Always have. Sometimes I was living for him hot. Sometimes I was living for him cold. Sometimes I was just barely giving him the thought of day, time of day. I'd go to church, maybe I might not go to church. If I made it good, if I didn't make it fine. That's obviously after I was out of the house because when I grew up, it wasn't an option. <laughs> Hello? And you know what happened in that situation? I hope somebody's hearing me tonight. You know what happened in that situation? I, I, I came to a place when I, when I become acutely aware then I needed something bigger than me. Or I wasn't going to make it. I'm being real with you. You should be real with yourself, your wife, your husband, your kids. Because every time you think you got it made in the shade, I did, I thought for, because... There was a time, I mean, I was making money like I owned a printing press. Money was no object. You know what I, I found out? When you have plenty of money, money doesn't mean anything. When you don't have any money, money doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so, you know, I've concluded that money doesn't mean anything. Remember that old song that says, I, it was at a revival, at the mourner's bench. I was filled with great misery. <laughs> then something hit me at the top of my head, went all the way to my feet. You know what happened? Something got a hold of me. Oh, yes, it did one day something got a hold of me. I went to an altar one night. My heart wasn't right. But you know what? But something got a hold of me. Oh, I could tell you they were singing, Come ye, you love the Lord. I knew. They were talking to me. <laughs> Stage left. In front of the town, everybody I knew, I went to the biggest church in town. Everybody, hey, everybody knew me. Everybody. Heather, does everybody know me there? Everybody knows JR. Everybody. I don't, I don't think people in the Golden Triangle know anything about, this is too big an area, know anything about everybody knowing you. That's kind of everybody knows you. I tell my kids, when they, Jamie, when he started driving, I said, don't you get out and get in something stupid. I said, because I can tell you, I'll know it before you get home. He found out I wasn't lying. Reporters, they'd call you. I don't mean from Channel 5, I mean... Sister so-and-so that lives on Mary Street. <laughs> I saw that boy used go by like a red flash. He needs to slow down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, reporters. 
We used to have newspaper. We used to have in the newspaper, Faye Downs, we used to write like something like this in the, in the Titsworth community. Charlotte Ann and her husband, Jim, came and had dinner with their mother-in-law, Faye. And while they were there, the neighbors come over. This was in the newspaper. <laughs> About that much of it. And every community had them. And she had always ended like this. And a good time was had by all. What am I telling you that for? Everybody was there. They didn't really know where, where I was at, but they were about to know. And I knew they were about to know. And I cared back then. There was a reason I was where I was at, because I cared. I cared. Had it all together. Had it all. Everybody knows you. You're making money. There ain't nothing like, you know, when you're, when, you're, when, you're a, when you're a big fish in a little pond. That's good until the pond dries up. I'm trying to talk to you. And this is just as relevant and important and word as anything I've ever said to you, whenever I preached until, the, until I was spitting all over everything and wringing wet with sweat and you clapped over it. This is maybe more important. Desperate. Desperate. Thirty years old, raised in it, believed in it. Stage left, July, two thousand two. They were having church. There is something, Mag. I don't even think you understand what I say when I say it, but I'm still going to say it. There is something to be said for having church. And I don't mean, are you having church next week? Of course we're having church next week. I don't mean that the door's open, are we going to have a service? No, I'm talking about, does anybody, I know you do, and I know you do, and I suspect you do, and I know you do. Is there anybody in this? I think you do. There is something to be said for just having church. I'm talking about white, hot turned loose, wide open, let God have his way from front to back, side to side, just have church. We've came close to having church a few times at MAG. Maybe even did a time or two. But I, we ain't there yet. You know why we ain't desperate? But we're going to be. I'm desperate. And I'm praying you're going to be too. You might as well get ready. The word can make you hungry. Hunger will make you desperate. That's, you know when Jesus says the, the hunger, those hunger and thirst, I mean, that's what, you know what he's talking about? That's what he's talking about. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. They shall be filled. I believe, I wasn't ashamed to go to a Pentecostal church. Never was. I wasn't ashamed of everything that went on around me. You know what? I loved it. All of it. All of it. And there was a lot of it. But when it came to me, anybody know what I'm talking about? 
There's people in this room, I'm talking to you. If you wonder, yes, I am. But it comes to me. When it comes to me. It was good for everybody else, and I, I, I even somewhat wanted it for me, but I, here's what I knew. For me, and this is what stands in the way of most people. I'm getting somewhere. It becomes about what people will think about you is one thing. What people will wonder, conclude, whatever. That's one thing. But it really comes down usually to one thing. And that's who's in control. Who's in control? And I worried about who was in control because of what I might do. Y'all even know what I'm talking about? Some people it might be, well, what will mom and daddy think? It ain't late. What will mom and daddy think? Oh, believe me, that's a big one. What will mom and daddy think? What will my brother and sister think? What will my, when they find out in this little one-horse town, had a one-horse town, we had a man had so many DWIs that he rode his horse to the buckhorn and tied it out his front. One-horse town. I ain't lying. Had so many DWIs, he rode his horse to the bar. Like the branding iron or something. Yeah. You know what? I said that for a reason because it's funny for one thing. It's funny because it's true. And another reason it is uh, because everybody knew who he was. Well, he's at the bar again. There's his horse. I'm trying to paint you something. But you know what happened that night? I knew what was coming. You know what? My wife didn't even really know what was coming. She She knew it wasn't good. But there was really only one guy in the world, one human being on the face of the earth that knew what was coming and what was imminent. It wasn't the next Monday, but I think it was the next one. I was the only one. You know what I got? Desperate. Oh, I knew without a million dollar check in the mail, or I thought about calling Jesse and Kenneth. Talking, you know, they told me if I'd said whatever that, you know, the God would have some. Some five, some ten, some a hundredfold. But the problem was, is if I'd have, gave, if I'd have got a hundredfold, it would have been a hundred bucks because I had about a dollar to my name. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. What I'm telling you is I knew it was over. And when I knew it was over, let me tell you something. When you got, when you got a toddler and a, and a third grader and responsibilities when you don't know how you're going to feed them, if you're any man at all, if you're any man at all, you'll get desperate. Bible says that a man that won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. New Testament. You'll get desperate. You know what? I don't know if they were singing, come you love the Lord. I don't know if they were coming and singing, come you sinners lost and lowly. Jesus' blood will make you free for he saved the worst among you when he saved the worst like me. I don't know what they were singing. But you know what I do know? That the glory of God was falling in the house. All over it. I do know that. I know what color the carpet was in the room. I know what side of the stage it was. I know that. I I don't think he even preached that night, so it wasn't about the preaching. It was about the power of God in the house. Like the rushing of a mighty wind. Like a river that had overflowed. Come and fill this place once more like a river that's overflowed. I'm going to tell you when the river began to flow. Hmm. 
Was it Ezekiel? Was it Ezekiel that saw that river coming out from under the threshold of the throne room? And he said that he walked out in it and had water to his ankles. Was that him? He began to walk in, walk in the river. Got saved. Next thing you know, he'd waded out and he was in river up to his loins. And that was good because the river, everything that touches the river, the Bible says lives. Everything that touches the river will live. That's what the Bible says. So he started walking in and he lived. Just shall walk by faith. When he got a, he walked into the river up to his loins. When he, he got, when he got that deep, you know what he began? Everything that touches the river will live. He could begin to reproduce. He had enough in him that, that he had, he could give it away. He could reproduce. Next thing you know, it says, it says, he says, and I, and I went a little further. And you know what he said? He said, there were waters to swim in. That's what he said. There were, do you know what happened? He couldn't touch the bottom anymore. The river began to overflow. There were rotters to swim in. Come and fill this place once more. And that night, because the glory of God was falling in the house, and regularly, it wasn't an unusual event, it was regular. <laughs> the difference was me. At that point, Jeff, they had been having revival in Paris, Arkansas for 10 solid years. And I mean 10 solid years. I'm talking about when it broke out in the old sanctuary that you had to find every chair in the house. There was, it, the fire marshal wouldn't have had any part of it except the fire marshal went there, so it didn't matter. <laughs> I'm talking about where you had chairs at the end of every pew. Where you could barely get down the aisles. I'm talking about on Sunday morning where you had to get there. You had to get there. You weren't you wouldn't sitting on the bottom floor. And oh, oh that, that balcony that they, had, that they had closed up beautifully 20 years ago. They had to tear all that out and open that back up. Because, why? Because they, needed people, because they needed a place to put people. And they, they sat butt cheek to butt cheek, shoulder to shoulder on every row. It's okay to say butt cheek. You know what that is. You know, they tell, they, they tell you that, you know, you get 80% full, people will quit coming. You know what? When the, when the power of God's in the house, they'll sit butt cheek to butt cheek, shoulder to shoulder, wall to wall, front to back, top to bottom. I'm talking, that's what it was. Wall to wall, wall to wall, front to back, top to bottom. At one point, town of 3,500 people right y'all been there it ain't like here it ain't an area it's a town in the mountains next town's 20 miles that way the next town's 20 miles that way the next town east is is 40 miles the next town west is 40 miles it's just that's you few county people towns 3,500 people in a town of 3,500 people that church grew to, to over 700 people every service you know why because the river was overflowing. Let the people come from miles around. Yeah. You know what? They will. What I'm telling you, we were 10 years into that. We were in a building by then in a town of 3,500 that would seat half the town. The difference wasn't the, wasn't the service. And the difference wasn't the church. And the difference wasn't a guest speaker. There was no guest speaker. It wasn't some big shot evangelist or a little shot evangelist. You know what a big shot evangelist is? That's a little shot evangelist that's out of town. That's what that is. Everybody's a big shot when they're out of town. Yeah? I'll tell you what the difference was. The difference was me. That was the difference. And you know what happened? I got desperate. Well, let me say it a different way. I got real. And maybe even real desperate. 
You know what I knew? I knew there wasn't no miracle coming. People are always looking for a miracle coming. God does miracles. I'm thankful for miracles. I'm going to tell you something. If you've got to have a miracle, you have a crisis. There's nobody that's ever had a miracle that didn't have a crisis. Do you know that? There's never been a miracle ever that there wasn't a crisis that demanded it. But you know what? There was, no, there was no miracle of provision coming. Let's put it that way. There was no miracle of provision coming and I knew it. But you know what? There was a miracle coming. There was no, there was no check in the mail coming. There was, no, there was no rich uncle that I didn't know enough to care going to die. You know, people pray stuff like that. Boy, I wish somebody would die. That I, I don't really want to know them that much, but just enough that they, they'd leave me their money. People are like that. With no miracle coming, but there was a miracle coming. This is the air I breathe. This is my daily bread, yes. Right there. Right there. I got, on, I got face down about right here. And I just began to pray. You know what happened that night, Jason? They began to hear my voice. There's sometimes you've got to be heard. I'm just going to throw that in there. You say, are you ever going to get there? Yeah, I'm getting there. And I'm going exactly the way I want to go. Very methodically. I want you to think about it. There was a miracle coming. I'm saying things plain and slowly and straight up and straight out and in the moment for a reason because that's the only thing people understand today is just to say it. Do you know why I just say things? Do you know why? Do you know why? Uh, my, even among my preacher friends, I say, get JR on that. He'll say it. Well, it ain't because I'm a smart aleck. It ain't because... That, that, that uh, I, I, I'm trying to be controversial. The truth's controversial these days. You don't have to try to be controversial. But it, it isn't because that I'm trying to be sensational. I've just learned that this is the truth that sets you free. And I've just learned that if you, that if you beat around the bush, people will just stand on the other side of the bush. If you beat around it while you're beating on this side, they'll just all run to that side like it didn't apply to them. That's what they'll do. So you just say it. Now, I'm not rebuking anybody tonight, but there should never, there should never be a quiet prayer meeting. There, you know what I had to learn to do? I had to learn that, my, that, that it matters that you pray. And that, Do you have to pray out loud all the time? No, but you, know, but you should pray out loud sometimes. You know what? Even most of the time. Oh. I need to pull up a chair because it's getting, it's getting squirmy. I'm telling you straight up. Well, I don't have to do all that. You're right, you don't. But you ain't going to get nothing. Because if you don't have enough. Uh, Jeff, tell me not to say stuff like this. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get desperate, you won't care who, hear, who hears you. When you get desperate, you won't care who's over listening to you. When you get desperate, you won't care that you don't pray like Adrian Rogers on his best day. Because you know what? God doesn't care. He just wants you to talk to him. You know what? I hear you. You're out in the lobby and you, you talk to everybody. And some of you are real loud and talk to everybody. You know why? Because some of you are just loud people. Some of you are just loud people. I ain't looking at nobody. What are you making that face for? I didn't look at you. But if the shoe fits, Cinderella, put it on and wear it to the ball. Now, I was talking Cinderella over here, not Heather. Yeah. 
Am I all right still? Yeah. No. <laughs> Will it be all right? Am I okay? I'm not going to keep you to midnight, I promise. Yeah. I think this is part of pastor-teacher. Don't you? I think it is. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know about all that. Well, okay. Prayer is a lot like preaching. It requires a voice. You know what? I've had to learn that. Oh, there's a time for it all. There really is. I mean, because we're supposed to pray without ceasing. I, I'm going to take. A, I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to take about ten minutes to talk about prayer. Praying literally just means talking to God. You know what it means? Share your soul. Bear your heart. Drop the platitudes. Drop it. Drop the flowery language. Drop, you, don't, you don't talk like that. God knows you're being pretentious. Stop it. How's that? So quit worrying about it. You know how to talk? You know how to talk. You know how to talk. You know how to talk. You know what he wants you to be? Real. God, I'm mad as fire. Or where I'm from, I'm mad as far. That's hotter. <laughs> Hello? Y'all pray without ceasing means? You know what I do when I'm walking up and down the halls? I talk to God. I do. I talk to God. Let's talk to him. Sometimes, if, sometimes it's quieter. Sometimes if you follow me, you're probably going to hear me. Think, that man's crazy. I may be crazy, but I'm going to talk to God. Shouldn't be anything showing as a, in a Pentecostal church, really any church, I don't even really like to say stuff like that because that, that, that lets people think they're off the hook. Well, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit, therefore I'm not Pentecostal. There, none of this stuff applies to me. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. When people get desperate, when your baby's in the hospital, that was, that's pretty fresh to me still. When your baby's in the hospital, and, it, and it's serious and you don't know if they're going to live. You'll pray. You'll pray. You won't care who sees you, who sees you cry, who hears you get loud, who sees you sob, who sees you broken. You don't care. You don't care. Why aren't we that desperate over the ones that, are, that if, the God, if they went into eternity tonight, they would be eternally dead? Now lay me down to sleep. Or, what am I doing? I'm praying now I had to lay me down to sleep in my head. <laughs> Last week of July 20, 2002. Thank God. You know, I'm going to say this. This is why I'm saying it. Thank God. For a white hot Pentecostal church. Thank God. Because if I hadn't if I hadn't had them, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Thank God. And when I got there that night, my old buddy Paul, he pastors in Coal Hill, Arkansas nowadays. He wasn't nobody but a snotty-nosed kid then, not much more. He's old enough to wear a suit, but I bought it for him. <laughs> you know, he was a preacher, so I bought him a Bible and a suit. That was required back then. About the time he was going to come up and give me some, give me some of that praying, <laughs> I'd already crossed over. Because when I got there, I fell on my face. And that was one night, probably the first time, almost ever, 
that I began to say out loud, God, I've got to have you. I didn't, I've got to have you. God, I've got to have you. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's real. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. If you don't help me, I wasn't asking him to pay my bills. I was asking him to, to keep me alive from the weight of what I was carrying. If you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. Desperate. And then I said that night, God, I need you. I said, that don't sound like much. Oh, it was a lot for me. Because I was aware that I needed him. Always was. I would have never denied that. But you know what? I needed him. I said, God, I need you. I need you. God, I need you more than the next bite of food that I didn't know where it was going to come from. Literally. I need you more than my next drink of water. The last thing I remember saying in English was I need you more than the next breath in my lungs. And I'm going to tell you, but God is my witness whenever I, because that next breath, that next meal may have been later, the next drink may have been later, but that next breath was coming pretty quick. God, I need you more than I need the next breath in my lungs. And heaven had been falling all over that house around me. But that night, Andrea, heaven didn't fall around me. Heaven fell in me. You know what it was? Brandon, it was suddenly. 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 The power of God swept through me and I lost the English vernacular and went into a language that I'd never learned or been taught you say what God changed your language big deal no you don't understand that's just not just it's that is the first thing that happens to you and it's the evidence of what's happened in you but it's not the only thing that happens in you What happened then is from that point on, I had the will and the power to make it. From that point on, I had a, a, a want to, to live for God, but not just live for God, to live in the calling of God. You know what I did then? I knew that I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew I wasn't going to go hungry. You know why I knew that? Here's how I know I do that now. Because I'm old enough to know this now. I was young. But now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor seed begging for bread. I didn't know how, but I knew he would. You know, you know what the difference was? It was the power of the Spirit of God. Mag, I, I'm literally just talking to you tonight. Some of you may be wishing I'd shut up so you can go home and take a nap. You got all week to sleep. I don't really care. I'll just be frank with you. I don't care anymore. You say, what do you say? That's rude. You shouldn't say you don't care. No, you don't. I don't mean as in I'm not concerned. I mean I literally do not care. If, they, if people, if you don't want the things of God, if you're bored with the things of God, if you don't want the frankness of the things of God, if you don't want to be taught about the Word of God, I don't care because I'm going to do it. That's what I mean. I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to be real with you to say you got to learn to pray. Mag Church, I'm not pastoring anybody else's church, so I can't talk to them. I can talk to you. You've got to learn how to pray. That means in the prayer room, you've got to learn to open your mouth. You know why? Because there's, here's another reason. There's power in agreement. There's power in unity. And there's things that we can unite around. You know what? You'll never learn to pray if you don't practice. And you know what? You'll never know the, the, all the things that you could have had because you didn't ask. And God, God will use you. 
God will build you. You'll never know whenever you begin to operate that way when, he'll, when, it, when it's the person like me that night. You know what I needed that night? I needed people in that house. You know, you know there, were, there were some things I could count on if I couldn't count on anything else at Paris Assembly. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't, there were times when it was just downright bad. But, mo- but those years, it was, it was this side of heaven. And there's things that I can count on and thank God for it. I can count on that Sandra Wiggins was going to pray a hole through heaven. I can count on that Brenda Knowles was going to pray a hole through heaven. I can count on on Tuesday night that Judy Friddle was going to pray a hole through heaven. I can count on with my life that Linda West was going to touch God. For me, for you, for the church, for somebody, I could go to that, prayer, that Tuesday night prayer meeting and I'd hear the, the saints of God ringing the bells of heaven and you could count on it. And you needed to be able to depend on it. And I'm going to tell you, Mag Church, we got to throw away our backgrounds and throw away our pride and throw away the way we were raised and throw away our personalities and learn that God doesn't care about any of that. Let me get really frank with you. Well, that's just not who I am. It's not about you. I'm going to tell you, it's not about you. There are people, desperate people, that need to hear a church that knows how to pray and that knows how to touch God and that knows how to let God move in this house. It's not casual. It's, we've got to get desperate. We've got to learn that if, you, if you're an intercessor and you're not praying, you're in disobedience. You've got to understand that your, your cute little prayers are, are not touching heaven. It don't matter if you were raised a Baptist or an Episcopalian or anything else. None of that matters. What the Word of God says matters. And it says to pray. And it's to, let me tell you another thing. Leadership. Sunday school teachers. Staff. Volunteers. Members. Everybody. You need to be seeking and hungry for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because it's for you. It's for you. I don't, ma'am, ma'am, I didn't have that, and I don't need that. I, I'm sorry, ma'am, I didn't have it, but ma'am, I don't live right now, and you need it. I feel like I'm preaching to a brick wall sometimes. Mag Church, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's God's plan for your life. And what I, if I knew then what I knew now, I'd have never went a day without Him. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have never went a day without Him. If I, if I knew then what I knew now, I would never go a day without him. And it's not speaking in tongues one time and that you ought to be praying in the Spirit every day of your life. Jeff, I'll just say it flat out. I'm going to say it flat out. I'm going to say it flat out. If you're not seeking, it's not important to you. And that either means you don't believe it or you just don't care. It's one of the two. Because if you believe it, you'll seek him. If you care, you'll seek him. And I'm not, that's, just, that's as plain as I know how to be. If you're not seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you either don't believe it or you just don't care. And I can't make you. But I can tell you, it's a world changer. It's a life changer. I need it. You need it. This church needs it. And there's people that come to this church that need you to need it. You know why? Because they need it. If it's never demonstrated, it's never preached about, I'm laying it on the line tonight. I am telling you, I I think you know that. That's as real as I know how to be. Quiet prayer rooms are, 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 I don't even know where that's for. You have to holler? No, you don't have to holler. You might. You might.
We're at a desperate time in history. Powerful time, but a desperate time. And I'm going to tell you about this time in history. Let me tell you about it. You're not going to make it without him. I'm going to tell you flat out. I'm going to tell you. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I've said all I can say. Come to the front. We're going to pray. I've said all I can say, literally. When he's done, I have to be done. I can tell you this tonight. As we're about to go to him in prayer, I want to tell you straight up. I like, I like straight up. You say, well, he's on that again. You better know I'm on that again. You better say, I don't like that. It doesn't matter. It's scriptural. Here's the one thing. There's a reason I can say it straight up, flat out. Lay it out there. Rattle your cage. Poke, poke the bear. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. There's a reason I can do that because it's scriptural and it's right. And there's another reason I can say that. It's because I know where we're at. And I know that you're not going to, you may not even, you're probably not even going to live for God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the days that are coming. Because you need power. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is not gibberish. It's not even languages, tongues. It's not. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is power for service. It's the power that, will, that, will, that you can live for God boldly in a time when it might cost you something. And I'll tell you something straight up. They may, they may fill up churches. They may build mega churches. But I'm going to tell you, lives are not going to be changed. And they're not going to accomplish anything lasting for God if you don't do it by God's plan. I'll tell anybody anywhere that that's not, a, that's not a denominational statement because I think by now you ought to know if I could cash out of all of that, I'd cash out tomorrow. I, I would have already cashed out of that. The moment that I, I'll just tell you straight up, I don't mind telling you, the moment that I can cash out of that, I'm cashing out. I don't care about that junk. I, do, I just flat don't care because it's about this. It's, that's what it's about. And they, and they may have coasted through some easy years in America, but you know what? All the surveys say, every one of them say that only 9% of what professes to be a Christian in America even has a chance at actually being a Christian. Every survey says. There may be 70% of this country that claims to be a Christian, but less than 9% of them actually believe what it takes to be a Christian. So I, I, that's, that's, that's straight. You're not, going to, you're not going to accomplish anything for God of any significance in this day and this age without, without everything that God meant for his church to have. You can explain it away all you want to. I actually had somebody come to me a few weeks ago and said that they went to a church. They had been going to a church where the pastor, uh, it, it was a nominal church, and the, but the pastor had some little fire in him, whatever. And they, he said, he stood up and he said, we're going to do every, everything that's in this book is for us and we're going to do it. And one of them says, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He said, accept that. Accept that. Well, I got news for you. It's still in there. And it's still his plan. And Mag Church, I'm going to kick, scream, prod, poke, preach. Aggravate, agitate, whatever it takes. Pray, pray, and pray that you get desperate until it happens. And I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to be satisfied until there's a tangible presence of God when you walk on the property. I'm not going to be satisfied until for the first note of every service that the Spirit of God begins to reign in this place. And the only way that happens is when God's people welcome Him and are desperate for Him and are crying out for Him and they're not just going through the routine. That's the only way it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you when that begins to happen, the people will come from miles around. When, I, when that begins to happen, it'll change your life. It'll change your family's life. It'll, if your mom and daddy are it'll change, it'll change your mom and daddy because they're going to see what's going on in you and they're going to want to know what you got 
They may get mad at you, but they'll get desperate too. Oh, you're one of them. I knew, I knew if you hang out with them very long. Well, if you, I, I've been here long enough and I, you hang out with me long enough, we, you're going to be one of them. I don't need that. But you, you, let, me, let me say it one more time. Look, every face looking at me, I don't need that. You believe the lie. And you are deceived. You know what you can do with that real quick? You, can, you know what you can do? I didn't say you were lost. I said you were deceived as it concerns the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're lost, you don't, you're not even a candidate. If you're saved, you're a candidate. The only thing required for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be born again. That's it. That's it. And it's for you. How many times can I say that? It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. You know how I know? Acts 2.37 says the promise is unto you. Your children. (laughs) All those that are far off. As many as the Lord, your God, shall call. It's for you.